From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. Pastor Clay's on vacation this week. With this week's message, here's Steve Pierce. Today I want to speak about a perfect storm. And uh, uh, it's quite coincidental because I was chatting with Nate uh, last week and he was uh, running something that they're doing in their Bible study. And uh, that caused me to start thinking about it and I thought this would be a a really uh, appropriate subject. Isaiah 28, verse 2 is the text. See the Lord who is powerful and strong like a hailstorm or destructive wind, like a driving rain or flooding downpour. He will throw it forcibly to the ground. You ever seen a storm like that? How many here have ever seen a tornado? A real tornado. You've seen a tornado. Okay, okay. I guess if you've lived in Oklahoma in Tornado Alley, uh, storms like, uh, like that are common, and they're like local bullies. When you see uh, uh, the storm coming, you get out their way and you go and hide. In South Africa too, where uh, we grew up, in the sweltering heat of summer, around about 4 o'clock in the summer afternoon, the sky turns blue-black, and uh, God brings out the percussion section of the orchestra. Okay, and you get the kettle drums and the bass drums and crashing thunder and fantastic lightning, crushing hail and rain, lots and lots of rain. And it lasts about five minutes and then it's gone. If ever you have been caught in turbulence in an airplane, you know what I'm talking about. If ever you've been soaked by a squall or holidays cut short, If you've ever tried to have a holiday in Seattle or England, then you know exactly what I'm talking about here. A miserable summer in England uh, because storms can interrupt your daily, normal, get-the-job-done life. And so last week I was speaking about uh, uh, this with Nate, our elder, and he told me he'd been thinking about storms, not so much the ones that can mess up your car and ruin your tomato plants, Tomato, you say tomato, I say tomato, and you probably write and dime. Okay, not those kind of storms, but the ones that God throws at you, not the ones that weather throws at you. The storms that happen in your life, whether you are 13 or 30 or whatever, the storms of life. And so I got to thinking about this, and I... Uh, Pulled the Bible out and dusted the cobwebs from my brain. And I discovered that the scriptures are packed with storms. We know that in the book of Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke and it came into being. God spoke. We don't know the nature. I always wondered, what did God say? I mean, he spoke. What did he say? And the nature of that, was it cataclysmic? You know, when God speaks, it's like thunder, and it's like, it's not, can you speak like this? You know, then that's, I don't picture God like that. And in the Hebrew, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, um, uh, Haruach, or Haruach, Tohu, Vahavohu. And you got that awesome sense of the presence of God brooding over the, 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 the newly created world. So the beginning has it. 
Now, if you've read the book of Revelation, you know in the end days, there are going to be lots of storms, mostly characterized by hail. The destructive hail that comes down, I don't know if it's comets or whatever it is. Um, for all I know, it could be the arrival of the zombie apocalypse. But I do know that at the end of time, there are going to be storms. And in between, there are lots of references to the storm. The scriptures are packed with it. Some are just accounts of bad weather. Hey, we went through a really, really bad storm today, and uh, it was like quite terrible. The disciples in a boat on Lake Galilee. We've been to Lake Galilee. Storms can happen there very, very quickly. They're just weather incidents, okay? But there's an occasion when David was sitting outside the tabernacle, and he sees a storm coming. But suddenly when he writes about it, he doesn't see the storm and the weather. He sees God in everything. Listen to this. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty water. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. sees God in everything. And what I want you to do today is I want you to try and see God in the storms of your life. Because when God sends a storm, it's always a perfect storm from a perfect God with a perfect purpose in your life. I mean, you get storms and junk that happens. Most of the storms that happen to me happen because I'm a fool. Okay, and, and I mess up and, I, and my mouth enters the room first and I say stuff that I shouldn't and it causes trouble. No, you wouldn't believe that. Let me take you a short journey this morning, a journey through a storm, and I've called it the perfect storm. It seems apparent from the study of God's word, there are storms and there are perfect storms. Okay, you guys, let's ask Jonah if we could. Let's ask him about the perfect storm sent to get him back on track. Do you know, do you know that it is more miserable to be a Christian outside of God's will than it is to be unsaved? Can I get a witness on that? It is more miserable to be a Christian and, and outside of the will of God than it was when you are unsaved. Because you know what you're missing. And I'm telling you now, in my, in my existence here and my Christian life, which is now nearly 40 years, God, I have discovered, will use anything to get our lives back on track with Him. He'll send storms and injury and disease and whatever it takes to get our lives back on track. To teach us the lesson that we need to be learning. And so those storms for me, they're the perfect storm. Because they're sent by a perfect God. Ask Jonah. He found the difference. Ask King David. He'll tell you he saw God in every storm. Ask Elijah. I'm still trying to figure out if it was a tornado that caught him up. Or whether it was the arrival of the 4400. You don't watch that program, do you? Hands up who watched the 4400. Okay, it's me and you, girl. We've got to go near. Ask Jesus. Now, here's the strange thing. It seems like that Jesus has control over nature. 
wind and waves, storms can cease, can begin, but they do His bidding. That's just nature. And so what I did was I uh, checked out in the Old Testament, got my Hebrew Bible open, and you find some interesting passages that describe storms, mostly in terms of wind. The Hebrew word for storm is this, saru. It's kind of onomatopoeic. It sounds like a wind, saru. It sounds like a wind that's blowing. Check out this verse. Our God comes and he will not be silent. A fire devours before him and around him is a tempest and it rages. A saru. Nahum 1, 3. The Lord is slow to anger. Let me tell you, when God gets ticked off, amen, he can get really ticked off with you. The Lord is slow to anger, great in power. He will not leave the guilty go unpunished. Hang on, here's the gospel in the Old Testament. He will not leave the guilty go unpunished. That's what Paul said in Romans. The wages of sin is death. That's the same deal. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and the clouds. Why? The clouds, they're the dust of his feet. There's a word, another word that's used for storms in the Old Testament. It's the word, Hebrew word, sa'ar. And it simply means clouds. But there is no simplicity here. Over and over you read about the presence of God in the Old Testament in the cloud. What was it that led the Hebrew people by day through the wilderness? The cloudy pillar. And so you read about Sa'ar, and David says it right in Psalm 148. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy winds do his bidding. The Old Testament is full of references to storms, and the glory of God and the majesty and in the poetic license that uh, some of the writers had, it speaks about storms where uh, lightning is like God's arrows that he hurls. In the New Testament, not to be outdone, the Greeks developed a whole vocabulary that's very interesting. We don't have the time to get into it um, uh, uh, deeper today. But let me just say to those that are here this morning who think that Jesus is coming back, anybody that kind of expects Jesus to come back. Okay, I've got a few hands here. Well, the rest of you are going to get one heck of a surprise. <clears throat> okay, because he is going to come back. For those expecting him to come back, wait for astrape. That's the Greek word for a beam of light. That's used to describe lightning. That's how he will come. Didn't he say that? He said in Matthew 24, 27, For as astrape, lightning comes from the east, and you can see it in the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. From what I could research, there are 35 references to storms and words used for the phenomena that occur during storms in the New Testament. And I found something really, really interesting. Do you guys remember in Luke 7, 38, the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears? Hello? That was a question you could answer if you like. 
Say, yes, I remember, Steve. Okay, so she washes her, her, uh, uh, washes Jesus' feet, wets his feet with tears. And I thought that was just somebody that was just really emotionally so, so uh, beat up that she was crying. But it's not the word that's used in the Greek. The word that's used in the Greek is brachai. And it means a downpour like rain. Here's somebody that was so utterly heartbroken that her, that her tears were like a flood on Jesus' feet. And she wiped them with her hair. Hey, listen, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like sometimes that the, the storm's so big and you so small? The lightning crashes and stuff's going wrong at work and in life. And, you know, we've had, uh, Linda and I have had many experiences like that when um, our grandson Kai died at 20 weeks. Um, it was terrible for us. Questions that we had and didn't know when I had my first of two heart attacks. You know, you're wondering, is this it now? Is this the end? You know, I, I've told you before that I've been uh, in, the, in the bush in Africa, stood before a man with an AK-47, and he loaded it and wanted to shoot me. And, you know, those times, you know, you just feel, how am I going to get out of this? If I get out of it at, at all, you know, the storm is, is overwhelming. And, and, and yet, in many of those things, even in the case of my grandson, uh, I believe it was for a purpose and a plan. Heaven is a better place with him there. And I always say to people, uh, say to my family, I'm, I hope I'm going to be the first one to meet him. And uh, he's going to be a handsome little guy. And we're going to have a lot of fun together and be naughty in heaven. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like the woman who, who cried so much that she was broken hearted over her rotten life. Real repentance. You know, I thank God that in our church many people uh, come to know Christ as their Savior and, and, and get baptized. And, and that is the most wonderful, wonderful experience. And what I always look for is people who are making that, that commitment to Christ. They come with brokenness. They come with nothing to offer God. They come because they've been battered by the storm of life. The awareness of their own sin is just so great. And they, they feel about their sin like, like God feels about it. They hate it. They hate the fact that they're lost and they're going to a Christless eternity. And they come to the front and they're broken before God. And then you see the joy as, as the Holy Spirit begins to, uh, to bring about that change in their lives. The result of the storm is a new relationship with God. Take heart. That's what I wanted to say to you this morning. Take heart if you're going through a storm. Because it can be a perfect storm. It can be the kind of storm sent by a perfect God for a perfect purpose in your life. Listen, I'm just an old preacher. I've weathered many of those storms. But there's a few lessons that I want to point out. I didn't just want to give you a Hebrew lesson and a Greek lesson and say storms are in the Bible. But I think I've learned a few things. Number one, storms are always characterized by instability. Life shakes you around, man. Sometimes it, it 
grabs you by the collar and it shakes you around and you don't know what you're doing. Your life becomes unstable. It's true in nature and it's true in life. What do you do? Where do you turn when, when a storm comes? Now, I know like uh, for, for younger people, they're different from, from us older people. But nonetheless, you face these things. It's a big deal for you if you're in a relationship and the relationship breaks up. You know, uh, meanwhile, those of us who've been around know that these things happen. You girls have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find a prince. We know that. And, um, uh, you know, but it can be earth-shattering. Things, things go wrong, you know. And suddenly you're not the most popular person in school. Suddenly, you know, the prospects of a job, or like in, in, in my case, in Tom's case, you know, a deal goes south, or something happens that, that you just think, what the heck is going on here? The Bible gives us a clue in the book of Isaiah 54, verse 11. Listen to this. O afflicted one, O afflicted one. Now, is that you? O afflicted one. Lashed by storms and not comforted. I will build you with stones of turquoise and foundations with sapphires. Listen, this is my interpretation. Your foundation is shaky. Whatever you think you're building your life on, it's not good enough yet for eternity. And God's going to take something away so that He can replace it with something better. A better foundation. With sapphires and turquoises. If you let the storm, not so much the storm, but the, the one who brings the storm, do His work, have His way, find His will in your life, your foundation will change to become stones of turquoise and foundations of sapphire. Hey man, that's some foundation. So often we build uh, our lives and things on, on, um, uh, and careers on stuff that's shaky ground. You know, one of the things I continue to, to think about is I've been a pastor for so long, uh, 35 years and I've been telling people to be a witness in, in a, an, a non-Christian environment. And uh, now I'm in that situation. And I'm telling you, it's really a challenge to do that. It's really, really, you've got to put it out there and you've got to, uh, you've got to expect that some people are going to laugh at you. Some people are going to say, are you serious? But some people will listen. And some people will say, listen, this is for me. Storms are characterized by instability. I was just speaking with somebody this week who's, who's uh, top upper management and he, his life is just falling apart. Just falling apart. All of a sudden it just happened to him. That'll test your foundation. That'll test where your loyalties are. That'll test where your roots are. God takes something that is. Maybe something that you've relied on for a long time. And he takes that away like a foundation. And he replaces it with something bitter. Something beautiful from something broken. Job was at a place in his life where he thought God was going to kill him. Listen to what he says in Job 9 verse 17. He would crush me with a storm. And his wife was on the same page as him. Job's wife said to him, listen Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And that's when he came out and said, Though he 
slay me, yet will I serve him. Though he slay me, though he slay me, it feels like he's crushing me. Okay, Steve, I realize that there are some storms in my life that, that happen and, 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 and this junk happens in life and, and God is the author of it. But do you understand that it feels like it's crushing me? You know, sometimes we need to be crushed. Sometimes we just need to be broken so that we are not walking around with our noses in the air thinking that, number one, the world revolves around us and the church is built on us. The church is not built on us. It is built with us. Hey, I thought that was like pretty profound. I mean, I thought that was like it. That's like the best I have. Isn't that true, though? There are so many people that think the church is built on them. You know, my family been in this church now for 15 generations, and we're just old and grumpy, and, and we just tell the preacher what to do, and then we chase him off if we don't like him. Yeah, 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 i tell you what. Have I offended you guys now? You can't wait. Man, you must be desperate. I'm so sorry. Okay. Second thing I've learned is this. God can be the sender of the storm. Ask Jonah. Ask Peter. Just ask Jesus, the sender of the storm. Thirdly, he is not just the sender of the storm. He is the calmer of the storm. I don't know if my English is correct. I don't care. He is the one who can calm the storm. You see, there are many people, James tells us in James 1.6, that are blown around about by winds. And the word that he uses there is the word ripsau. Ripsau. There are many people that are blown this way and blown that way and they just, they just have, no, they have no stability. And, and something happens and, and there's a storm in your life and you throw all the toys out the cot and you have what in the south we call a conniption. Or a hissy fit. I'm still trying to figure out what the difference is, by the way, if you'd like to just help me out there. The difference between a conniption and a hissy fit. I know they're both bad, and I know we do it all the time, and we get ticked off with God instead of, of saying, God, is this something that I have caused? And that usually is the case, by the way. This is something I have caused. I'm the problem here. I need to change my attitude. Or is it something that's sent by you for my good, a perfect storm from a perfect God. Jesus is the calmer of the storm. The truth is, Jesus does care. I know that He can cause storms to happen. I know that He can calm them. Let me tell you, as I close, something from my family history. When uh, Coral was a little girl, uh, she has a brother, my eldest son, Morgan. He's now six foot four. And uh, he would be so embarrassed if I told you this. In uh, Johannesburg, where we live, Benoni, we would have these summer storms around four o'clock. And honestly, it was almost like you could touch the clouds. They were so low. And they would be blue-black, that dark, dark blue. And you just know it's going to belt down with... Uh, with this massive rain, then go away. But there would be lightning and thunder, and there would be this, this huge weather experience. Now, for all Morgan what he is today, two things he was scared of. One was Father Christmas, 
and the other one was storms. Okay, he was, ask Coral, he was petrified of Father Christmas and he was petrified of storms. So one day in the evening, Father Christmas wasn't coming, um, but the storm was brewing and he had to go to bed and he was lying in bed. And uh, Linda and I are sitting there, we're watching TV or doing whatever. And then I hear, Dad, Dad. And in the background, that's my impression of the storm, okay? Dad! Now, whenever any of my children want something, it's always, Mom, Mom, Mom. When it's Dad, it's something seriously wrong. Anyway, the tone in his voice got more agitated and it kind of reached the pitch. I've never heard a boy uh, speak before. Uh, and then, Dad, Dad. So I go to the room. What's the matter, Morgan? He said, Dad, don't you want to come and lie in bed with me? Now, he's never done this before, man. Never, ever, ever. I said, you know, my big frame and that little bed, we are not going to be happy partners here. And, uh, and he said, oh, come on, Dad, Dad. Come lie by me, Dad. You never do that. I said, oh, all right. So I get on the bed. Now, he's lying behind me here. And I'm lying on the bed, obviously with my legs half off this single bed, so that I can do the parent sneak. You know what the parent sneak is, okay? So I can get out of dodge quietly. And, and, and I'm hearing... And then he said something to me that I have never, ever forgotten. And it has to do with storms. And it has to do with God. He said to me, Dad, is your face towards me? And I turned over and I faced him. And then he fell asleep. Dad, are you you sure you see what's going on here? Because I'm terrified. You know, sometimes storms in life happen like that, that we just are terrified what to do. We just don't know. We, we make decisions and then we hope God blesses them. We, we, we make things happen sometimes and then sometimes we wonder what happened. But the day that Morgan said to me, Dad, is your face towards me? I learned about storms. And I learned this, that it doesn't matter if you are in any place in the world In any situation, if you are a child of God, His face is always towards you. He's looking at you. He's watching you. He knows what's going on in your life. Guys, did you know that the word oops does not appear in God's dictionary? Didn't see that. Oops. That oops. God's face is towards you. In Isaiah 4, 6, it says this, and it speaks about Jesus in in an unusual metaphor. It calls him the branch. The branch. The branch. Okay, this is what it says. The branch, Jesus, is a shelter from the storm, a refuge, a hiding place from the storm and rain. In the latter days, and I believe, like Pastor Clay said, we are in the end times. The day of the Lord is coming. In the latter days, we will witness a weather phenomenon like no one has ever seen. 
It's called chaladza. Chaladza means hail. That hail that's not just devastating, but a, a hail that is world-destroying. That's what the Bible says. That's mankind's fate. That's the fate of this world. But you know what? His face is always towards me. I wonder, and I don't really know why the Lord led me down this, uh, down this direction for this message today. There must be some purpose. Um, you know, uh, maybe there's someone here and, and you come to church Sunday by Sunday and you smile at the right people and you say the right things. But in your heart or in your soul, there's really, really a, a storm that's going on. There's really just upheaval there and, you, and you're struggling to deal with it. Don't speak with me about it. I can, I can only pray with you. What you need to, to do is to, to find out whether it's God, the one who sends the storm, that's, that's dealing with you. Or whether this is something that's of your own, of your own doing. I wondered about why this message became just such a burden on my heart. And it could be a number of things. It could be you having issues with economics, money, or maybe your health has taken a turn for the worst, or just stuff is going on. And life is like that. Stuff goes on. I want to encourage you and say that a perfect God sends a perfect storm to change the foundation in your life, to make it more beautiful, and perfect you so that you're ready for heaven. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather every week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens and the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.